Ah, first day jitters. Anyone nervous? Don't tell me it's going to be an assembly. No assembly. Yes! Say bye. Everyone say bye. Bye. There you go. This is a story about a school. Well, it's going to be a story about a school. First, it really has to be a story about an idea for a school and a native Hawaiian mom who felt like she had to do something big and maybe a little drastic to help her kids succeed. My name is Kuipo Lamatia. Tell me about your children. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, great. So I have 10 children, um, eight boys, two girls. And they range in age from my oldest is 30, my youngest is 12. They're just really great human beings. How many children do you have living at home right now? Oh, let me see. I have to count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So besides the ten I gave birth to, I have probably about eight Hanai kids. They're just really great kids that I was blessed to be able to raise. Some people bring in stray animals while my kids bring in, you know, stray children. Ten biological children eight Hanai or informally adopted kids. You could imagine that over the years, Kuipo has spent a lot of time monitoring report cards, shopping for school supplies, sitting in on parent-teacher conferences. Every August for the last two decades, Kuipo has helped one, two, ten kids get ready for a new school year. And every September for the last two decades, she's watched one, Two, ten kids come home frustrated, disconnected. Some of her children struggled to keep up in class. Others were constantly bored. One child was bullied so badly in middle school that he dropped out in the sixth grade. At first I thought, what's wrong with my kids, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, why aren't they satisfied with what they're given, right? But then, as she watched kid after kid struggle, she started to think that maybe there was a bigger problem. A problem that wasn't confined to a single family, a single public school, or even a private school. I mean, this may be a generalization, but from what I've seen, you know, and mo mainly through my life and my children's life, and, you know, this being a square peg trying to fit into a round hole, Hawaii's really a very traditional mindset. From plantation days, you know, you're just a worker, you're just an employee, you just stay in the same rut or wherever you are for years and years and years, and then you retire. Your child goes to the DOE school that's closest to you, they follow the rote method, they go to the middle school, they get bullied, they get introduced to drugs, and all, you know, go to high school, just trudge through it and come out of it if they even make it out. You know, it's the, it's the joy, right? Where's the joy and the happiness come from? Most people don't even have the idea or the hope that they can be whatever they want to be and do whatever they want to do, like pursue their passions and their dreams. Um, most people just don't have that in Hawaii here. You know, my biggest worry for my children is that they don't dream or that they think they can't ever accomplish their dreams. Kuipo is not the only person to have complaints about the school system in Hawaii, about the state of education in America. But while a lot of people think that there are big systemic issues with education, 
Quipo decided to do something about it, something a little more extreme than running for the PTA or airing her grievances to the school board. I had this thought come to me, and the thought really was, gosh, I, I really need to do something about this. That's how it started. Like, my children were not being fulfilled and satisfied, and they weren't happy, right, being in school. And so that made me sad because I want my kids to be happy. Um, so I had this, you know, crazy idea of, gee, I, I should just start my own school. Kuipo was 50 years old when she decided that she was going to open a school. She wasn't a wealthy philanthropist. She didn't have a background in public education. She'd taught some college classes, but her area of expertise was project management. She'd never been a public school teacher, never been a principal, never had to administer standardized tests or sit through hours of professional development. None of that was going to stop her. Kuipo figured that she could recruit people who knew how to create academic plans, manage school finances. What she had to do was create a vision for a different kind of school. A place where classroom instruction was so engaging, so fun, so challenging, that all 18 of her very different children would have been happy. Because that kind of a school it just might work for a lot of other kids too. Really my intent was to create a system that was so unlike the existing system that people would want to come here. Um, not just children and parents, but that teachers and educators would want to come here because it was a different approach and a different environment than what they're used to and what they have been in all their lives. You're listening to On Campus, a new podcast series from Honolulu Civil Beat. I'm Jessica Terrell. Hawaii has the highest percentage of kids attending private school in the entire country. The state's public school system has made some big strides in the last decade, but it still has a pretty poor reputation. The state struggles with high teacher turnover, outdated classroom facilities, meeting the needs of special education students. In 2017, the publication Ed Week gave Hawaii a grade of D plus for educational achievement. So when Kuipo started pitching her idea for a brand new charter school to local families, when she told them that she was going to create a school where learning would be individualized and fun, really fun, where kids would learn about Hawaiian culture and teachers would use art and music and theater to teach core subjects like science and math. Well, Kuipo found a lot of parents who immediately said, where do I sign up? Kamalani Academy opened this summer with an enrollment of 311 students. Another 200 kids were on the waiting list. It was one of the biggest charter school openings in the state's history. By September, there was a wait list to get on the wait list. Are you guys moms here? Yes. 
you mind chatting me for a second? Sure. Yeah. She's a teacher. She's better qualified to chat. <laughs> no, you, you can. This is my no, sister. We both have kids sisters. here. We both have kids here. Awesome. Yeah. How old are your kids here? Mine's in K six. and six. Why Kamalani? Why did you guys choose Kamalani? Um, it's an arts integration school, and I think that that's really um, something that's really important. Those things are taken out of schools nowadays. So yep. we went to public schools in Wahiwa okay. our whole lives. Mm -hmm. And so for me, why I thought that it was a good idea to bring her here is because I'm a DOE teacher at another school, and our school is fantastic. And um, But we are very common core, curriculum-based. Everything has to follow a very kind of rigid um, schedule. And my daughter is not going to fall in line with that. So I wanted her to come to a place where she could um, be successful in her own way and have more opportunities to be successful because not every kid learns the same way. Yeah. My name is Donna Rankin. I'm Deborah Driscoll. Do you mind telling me why you picked Kamalani? Why, why this school? It's a perfect fit for my daughter. She's really into the arts and I would love for her to love learning again. She is a, quite an academic little girl and she sort of lost that spark in the last little while. So hoping that comes back with all of the creativity around here. My child was really bored. He was just bored at school and he thinks school is a horrible place. I keep telling him and hopefully that's going to be the message here and that's that learning is fun. We're hoping that the basic curriculum that all the schools have can be taught through the music and the dance and the um, art and not so much, here's a piece of paper, write down the answers. Charter schools are a pretty contentious issue in public education. There are some very real concerns about the quality of charter schools, the privatization of public education, and what impact the schools have on the broader system. So let me be clear. We are not chronicling Kamalani Academy's first year to make a statement about school choice or to advocate for charter schools. We wanted to find out what it takes to launch a big education initiative, to open a brand new school, to see what happens when people take an idea that sounds great on paper and try to actually make it work in a real classroom. And we wanted to see if we could help make up for something of a broken promise in the state. Charter schools are public schools. They're funded with taxpayer money, and they have to abide by academic and financial standards set by the state and federal departments of education. But they also operate with a lot more autonomy than traditional public schools. And that freedom is supposed to pay dividends for all taxpayers not just charter school parents. Charters, at least in Hawaii, were originally meant to serve as laboratories for innovation, places where teachers and administrators can experiment and take risks, create new programs that, if successful, could then be replicated at other public schools, improve the entire system. It has not worked out that way. There are some great charter schools in Hawaii there are some pretty low-performing charter schools, too, but that's a story for another day. Even the best charter schools in Hawaii, though, operate in a silo. There's very little collaboration between the Department of Education and charters. Not much support in either direction. So this year at Civil Beat, we're going to try and do what the Department of Education hasn't done with the charter schools. 
We're going to spend a lot of time in the education lab at Kamalani. See what works and doesn't work as Kamalani staff try out some pretty bold ideas. And then we're going to see how those experiments relate to what's happening in public school classrooms across the state. It's going to be a story about education, but we suspect it will also end up being a story about community, about the challenges facing parents and teachers and kids in Hawaii today, and what happens when a group of people come together to try and overcome those challenges in a new and different way. We'll be publishing new episodes periodically throughout the school year. In coming weeks, you'll sit in on teacher training, find out what goes into getting a charter approved, hear from sleep-deprived board members, and be there when the campus opens its doors. What happens the rest of the year? Well, we're going to have to find that out together. You're opening a brand new school, and so there's going to be a lot of unknowns. It's like being a turtle without a shell. It's going to feel really vulnerable, but that's where all the creativity and that's where all the magic happens. But the hardest part is just having to figure it all out on our own. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'm putting in about, you know, 14, 16 hour days. And then even when I am home, my mind is still thinking and racing on all that needs to get done. Um, so it's not uncommon for me to be on like three three and a half, four hours of sleep. We had to cut the playground out, we had to cut the lunch pavilion out, we had to cut the landscape out. Three weeks before school opens, and we have no lunch vendor. We have another backup, but it's really not, not a viable plan. So we're, we're, we're pretty much out of options. Failure is not an option. You're the reason I'm here. I'm glad to be your teacher, and it's not a mistake that you and I are gonna be in the same classroom for the next year. You have been on the path, but today everything officially begins. Kuipo had a lot of different ideas for what might make a successful charter school in her community. The kind of school that could give kids the confidence and the skills to pursue big lifelong dreams. She wanted a school that would teach kids financial literacy, leadership skills, project-based learning, art, and music. But she knew it was going to take a lot more than big ideas to actually build a school. So this is what Kuipo did. She recruited an army of believers. People like her friend Steve, a former engineer, financial planner, and project manager. Um, Name is Steve Davidson. And I'm from Aleva Heights, and I've lived in Hawaii for 26 years. And Steve, what's your position with Kamalani? I am the vice chair of the governing board. Okay. So tell us a little bit about what the governing board does. The governing board governs the school. (laughs) Uh, At this point in what we call year zero, we're very much hands-on and actually doing a lot of things to get it going. We hope at some point... Uh, after it opens, that the uh, school administration will be running it on a day-to-day basis, and we will meet periodically just to monitor things. Do you remember the first time that she talked to you about wanting to open up a charter school? Oh, absolutely. We were having lunch, and we were talking about I don't know what, and she just throws in, hey, I'm going to start a charter school. Yeah, okay. Here's another thing about Kuipo. She is not easily discouraged. She assumes, uh, that's one thing she does, she assumes that you're going to help her. So 
she says, like, so when you're on the board, <laughs> you know, and if you go, well, I'm not sure, okay. And then next thing she says, I think you should be vice chair of the board. And by then I was hooked. Both of my daughters went to private school, and it's extremely expensive, and many people uh, in Hawaii can't, cannot afford that. It was a sacrifice for us. I'm retired now, and I'm always looking for ways to contribute, to do something valuable with my time and not just sit around the pool. We, we really have both shown our true colors in, in, in the stress of doing all of this, and she and I are very, very different. She is truly a visionary. Uh, she had the vision of this in the first place. She is working on this school 24 hours a day, but at the same time, she is already looking for locations around Oahu. She's in Las Vegas. She'd like to open one in New Zealand. She's part Maori. Um, and she's just, she's just out there. She's just a visionary. And so we complement each other very, very well. Steve's a business guy. And he loved Kuipo's vision of teaching kids to be leaders and helping them learn financial literacy. It took him a little longer to get on board with Kamalani being an arts integration school. I am the least artistic person in the world. I can't draw a straight line with a ruler. No, I can because I was an engineer, so I know how to do that. No, I'm not artistic at all. Um, and when I first heard about arts integration, I thought this could be a bunch of kids just going to be dancing around all day. And where's the education going to happen? But then Kuipo took Steve and her other recruits to visit the only other arts integration school in Hawaii, a public school called Pomokai Elementary School on Maui. They visited the TV studio, sat in on classroom lessons. I watched a kindergarten class. Kids were wearing different colored T-shirts. The teacher said, OK, get into groups that have more than two blue T-shirts. So the kids would start running around and getting into groups. And there might be a group with kids with only two blue T-shirts. So the teacher would go over and say, do you have more than two here? And the kids, you could see the wheels turning, kids trying to figure it out. And they would figure out, no, they have two. They don't have more than two. So they would recruit a kid from somewhere else and put him in there. And I'm watching kindergartens learning the mathematical concept of more than it chokes me up just thinking of this. These kids were having a good time, and they were learning. It's, it was just moving. And this was a year ago I went and saw this, and I still choke up when I think of these little kids. What moved you so much about that? Uh, it, it's, it's kids enjoying their education. I, I mean, that's the best way I can put it. Uh, they're not sitting in desks bored being lectured at, memorizing stuff. These kids were engaged. They were having fun. And they were learning. I mean, is there any reason you got to go to school for eight hours and tolerate it and be bored? And by the time you're in sixth grade, you know, starting to think about how am I going to get out of here? Um, there are a number of items on our agenda today, and we will be taking public testimony for all our charter school applicants. It is not easy to open up a charter school in Hawaii. There's only one agency in the state that authorizes new charters, and that agency has undergone a radical transformation in recent years. 
They want to make sure new schools meet a much higher bar for financial and academic standards than charter schools did 20 years ago. Some proposed schools get turned down several times before finally earning approval or giving up. One school, IMAG Academy, has been applying for years. This is probably the most momentous time I've experienced. Your approval for IMAG Academy would have great and lasting positive change on the Waipahu and Central Leeward community, families, and students. We're at a charter school commission meeting where proposed charter schools are giving their last pitch before getting a final thumbs up or down from the board. It's the end of an extensive year-long vetting process. Eli, I need you to wrap it up because we have it in writing too. 30 seconds. Thank you, ma'am. It's our last chance. It's our last curtain call. The meeting room is full of nervous applicants from the three schools that made it to the final round in 2017. Um, I'm going to go down to the list and Steve Davis. Staff from existing charter schools also show up to lend their support. Try and bolster the case for all charter schools. Thank you, Mr. David. Thank you. After everyone testifies, the board approves an application for one new charter school in Eva Beach growing the total number of approved charter schools in Hawaii to 37. They turned down two others, including IMAG, a school that was applying for the fourth and final time. I absolutely do feel empathy for them. We catch Steve out in the hallway after he testifies unsuccessfully on behalf of IMAG. He spent a lot of time in this building. It took two years and two applications along with the help of professional consultants and respected educators to get the stamp of approval from the Charter Commission. Our first time, we really weren't prepared. And we uh, fixed all the things that had to be fixed, so we got approved the second time. Charter school approval does not guarantee that a school will actually open. The approval is really preliminary, and Steve is at the commission to meet his own requirements for Kamalani. This is our last opportunity or requirement really to testify on our pre-opening assurances. These are 51 requirements that we have to satisfy uh, before we can open our doors. Steve says they have 49 done. If they don't get the other two finished in time, they might not get paid by the state. We have a payroll to meet now. We have a principal hired, faculty and all. And if we don't get these done, we will not get that money. What's left is the fire inspection And I just got an email about an hour ago that it got done this morning. But now the question is getting a report in time. The other item is the food permit. That was supposed to happen yesterday. I was up at the school and the inspector did not show up. Meeting deadlines is crucial. Until the school meets every pre-opening requirement, it's still possible for the commission to pull the plug on the school. There's a chance it could be a big problem because if, if we haven't passed our fire inspection, we can't have kids in our school. So, yeah, it's really critical we get these things done on time. Is, is this a little stressful coming down to the wire like this? Oh, no, it's not stressful. <laughs> So this is a classroom. Um, Because our school is an arts integration school, it's not going to look like a traditional classroom with 
25, 30 desks all lined up. Charter school facilities are a huge challenge in Hawaii. Charters get about $7,000 in per-pupil funding from the state, which is supposed to be the same amount that the state pays for students at traditional public schools. But, and there's a big but here, the state doesn't provide additional funding to charters for rent or renovations, huge costs that are covered for traditional public schools. So every dollar spent on facilities at a charter school means a dollar less for school supplies, class trips, teachers. Some charter schools resort to tents and makeshift structures. Kamalani's new home is in an old two-story concrete building at the back of a Catholic church in central Oahu. Now what they've done here is this was, if I recall correctly, one enormous classroom. So what they did was they knocked out and divided it. And so now we have still have two very good sized classrooms. What did this place look like the first time you came in here? Well, it looked like a building that hadn't been used in 12 years. I mean, it's just all full of cobwebs, very dirty. Uh, and everything was old. I mean, there was old furniture in here. Uh, I don't know when the school was opened. I believe it was built in the 60s. And so you had furnishings in here, which were probably 20, 30 years old. So it was, uh, it was a mess. It's taken shape. I mean, it's looking pretty much like it's going to look. We're standing in a carpeted classroom on the second floor. The furniture hasn't arrived yet. It's getting shipped in from the mainland. Eventually, there will be large tables on wheels instead of individual desks, chairs, and rocking stools for kids who don't like to sit still. The facilities are costing Kamalani more than $2 million to renovate, which is a huge amount when you consider that the bulk of their funding will be $1.2 million from the state this year. That's to pay for everything. To make it all work, Steve and Kuipo have had to make some tough cuts. There will be no lunch pavilion this year, no playground. They will have to find community members to donate plants, help out with landscaping. And they will have to budget things very, very carefully to keep the school afloat. But they think the payoff will be worth it when students arrive. The school will be opening with nicer classrooms than most existing charter schools in the state have. I don't know that there's been another project like this uh, in, in Hawaii charter schools. Uh, so we're very, very pleased that we are doing this. It's kind of incredible that from just an idea a few years ago, that in another two months, this building's gonna be fully occupied with lots of kids. It took Stephen Kuipo two years of planning and research and meetings to earn approval to open Kamalani Academy. But approval is really just the beginning of what it takes to open a school. Can Kamalani staff handle all the unexpected challenges that arise between approval and opening day? That's next on campus. It is just an enormous undertaking starting a charter school. On Campus is a special project from Honolulu Civil Beat. It's produced by April Estrelon and me, Jessica Terrell. Our reporters this season are Suvon Lee and Courtney T. Our executive producer is Patty Epler. We'll be publishing new episodes periodically throughout the school year. So look for more stories and more episodes online at civilbeat.org 
or in your iTunes feed. We'll be back. <laughs>